Hello and welcome to Worship with the Wirral Methodist Circuit. I hope this message, I hope this recording finds you well and ready to worship together our God. I'm uh, joined in this recording uh, by some of the the worship team from St Luke's Methodist Church in Hoylake. Uh, You'll hear from Trish Davis and from Catherine Vegan who will share togetherness. Uh, And we're also really grateful for the music that's provided uh, through this recording by EMU Music, um, through the resources they provide to churches and online churches like this. Um, Please do look up their work and send them some encouragement. Um, But we will worship together. And before we sing, uh, Trish is going to read to us uh, the psalm which is set for today. Psalm 29 Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace.
And so let us come to our Father God now in prayer. Let us pray. As we come to you now in prayer, gracious God, we feel a deep sense of awe, wonder and gratitude that you welcome us in this very moment, right into your presence. We find it hard to grasp that you, who created the vast experience Bands of the universe, infinite in time and space, know and care for each one of us. As the prophet Isaiah said, your wisdom and knowledge are beyond our ability to comprehend. You know our hopes and aspirations, our doubts and fears, as well as our faults and weaknesses. And yet, 
You love us anyway, and you love us with a love that never lets go. And so we come to praise you and thank you today for all that we have received from your generous hand. For the beautiful world that you have created for us to enjoy. For family and friends who love us and care for us. For the fellowship that we enjoy within our churches. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus, that through his death and resurrection, he has provided a way for us to be restored to a right relationship with you. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we get it wrong, when we are selfish or thoughtless or unkind in our words and in our actions when we choose to go our own way instead of your way. Forgive us for our arrogance in sometimes thinking that we know best and that we can manage in our own strength. Forgive us for the times when we are so wrapped up in our own problems that we fail to respond to the needs of those around us. In this season of Epiphany, as we remember how the wise men searched for the infant Jesus, we ask that we too might be wise men and women, searching for a deeper and closer relationship with Jesus. And it is in his name now, the wonderful, powerful, saving name of Jesus, that we offer our prayer to you. Amen. As Jesus taught us, we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. 
Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray. Lord, we ask now that the same spirit that inspired the words of scripture that we've heard would be working deep in all of our hearts and minds as we seek to hear something new from you as we worship together. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, here uh, it's been a week of packing away Christmas. The tree and the lights have come down, the baubles are in the boxes, the nativity scene is packed away for another year. And don't forget about the dancing Santa. And it's back to it, isn't it? Christmas holidays in my work um, are the best, I find, because most people take a lot of time off at Christmas. That is unlike the summer holidays, isn't it, when we all have different times off. At Christmas, when we're off for a week or two, some people more, you haven't missed out when you go back to work. Nothing has moved on. There's no new deadlines that you didn't have before. Everything has stopped for Christmas. We've all paused. It's a bit like uh, when you were in school, perhaps, when you went back after the summer holidays and you'd forgotten how to write neatly, how to get the the best shapes out of your pen, and it, it takes some time to get back to it, to remember how to be how you were. And so as, as we return to work, as I return to work and you return to what you were doing before, um, after a few weeks off, I find I have to scour my emails to remember what I was working on before the break. What, what was I doing? How was I doing it? What was I about to start doing and where was I meant to be heading? Today's pieces of scripture help us to look back and remember who we are and where we're meant to be going. And if we think of the prophets as thundering proclaimers of collective sin, uh, which they often were, uh, this passage that we read from Isaiah's prophecy shows the capacity of this particular prophet to offer reassurance. Just as the ancients in Israel and Judah needed to hear divine judgment against injustice, so does our contemporary church. We need to know what we've got wrong. We need to know where we've not spoken out, where we should have done. We need to feel some guilt when we've been silent. But also, uh, as these first hearers of this passage from Isaiah, as dispirited people, sometimes we also need to hear reassurance of divine love, protection and presence. This poem from the prophet scholars called Second Isaiah speaks tender 
encouraging, empowering words to those who faced an uncertain future. In the previous chapters of Isaiah, the exiles in Babylon have been given quite a telling off. So when in uh, the previous chapter to this, when the prophet starts talking about uh, servant imagery, uh, and we read that in a different way, of course, now, uh, but when they say this servant imagery, it, it would have been uh, automatically point Isaiah's original hearers towards themselves who do Yahweh's will. But they will have heard that their spiritual blindness and deafness have somehow disqualified them from the task that is rightfully theirs. Because still, they hadn't learnt the lesson that the devastation of the land at the hand of the Assyrians is the outpouring of God's burning anger against their persistent sin. How can Israel speak for God or demonstrate his glory when they themselves are deaf and blind to the spiritual realities of his word? But as we look through scripture, uh, the exposure of sin and its root causes are always God's first step towards the spiritual renewal of his people. And so we come to today's passage. I'll just read a few of the verses again. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The opening words of this passage change everything for these people and for us. But now. But now. It's like the but God of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, isn't it? In their original context, the words in this passage helped motivate Judean exiles to embrace their faith and return to Jerusalem to start rebuilding. This wise and brilliant prophet evoked images of divine love and care to speak to the exiles who ten uh, tentatively considered whether to leave the stability of life in Babylon to return to the rubble of their former homes. But now, they're reminded to look back, not to what got them to Babylon, but what got God's people out of Egypt. They were a redeemed people. God took them from servitude to become his people. God has a, a claim on the people, but also a commitment to them, emphasised by the, the verbs in the second half of the verse, redeemed and called this verb, uh, redeem, it, it alludes to a family member who frees one from debt or slavery. The relationship is deep, but it also comes at a cost. Called refers to God's choice of the people for his purposes. As they embark on the journey back home, the poem confirms divine presence and protection with them. They will face dangers and obstacles along the way, but God will be with them. They will not face the dangers alone. Besides communicating protection for what the people will face in the future, the words of the second verse recall the exodus event of the past. To gain entrance into the promised land, the people passed through the waters of both the Sea of Reeds and the, the Jordan River. The three titles for God in verse 3 give a comprehensive understanding for the people. The term Yahweh, Lord, evokes the exodus, the burning bush of Moses and the giving of the teaching at Sinai. The title Holy One refers to God's distinctiveness. The first part of Isaiah uses this title and Saviour alludes to God's protection for Israel and Judah. 
He will be with them as they brave it, as they return to where they're meant to be, to who they're meant to be, from the life they're meant to lead. God will call the people from wherever to live and join the community. God promised to guide this community back home. The community itself would survive and perform God's mission. For us, God will work through the church despite the dangers we face. The church can do its ministry uh, without fear because of God's presence in it. Looking back, reminded them that they were redeemed and they, they were still in God's plan. That brought with it responsibility to get back to it, to get back to their land, rebuild, to restore, to teach, to share the goodness of God with those around. They are, as the passage said, to bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. They have a role in bringing the knowledge of their redeeming God to the ends of the earth. Letting the wideness of God's compassion be known. And we share this too. And let's look at the gospel passage we heard. Because that takes us back to baptism, to Jesus' baptism and perhaps to our own. Luke pictures John the Baptist as an end time prophet who announced that the apocalypse was about to occur uh, that would end the present evil age and finally bring about the realm of God. A new world in which all things would live forever in love, peace, justice, mutual support, freedom and dignity. John called people to repent and be baptised for the forgiveness of sins in order to be part of the coming new world. Repent, of course, is to turn away uh, from complicity with the the old age and its values and its behaviours and to turn towards the coming realm, the coming kingdom. Baptism was an invisible mark initiating uh, those uh, received into into this community, anticipating this coming kingdom. Baptism is about joining a community of baptism, of evangelism, an active community keen to bring about God's kingdom here. The coming one, Jesus, uh, will baptise the community with the Holy Spirit and fire and will carry out the final judgment. The coming one will be the catalyst for the realm and will leave the Holy Spirit to empower the community. That's the church to continue to witness to the kingdom after Jesus ascends. Too often, Uh, repentance has been reduced to us feeling sorry for personal wrongdoings. And at this time of year, as we we start with our New Year's resolutions, it, it might be worthwhile for us to consider what we've done wrong as individuals and plan to do better in this fresh new year. But this passage draws us back to the community commitment aspect of baptism. When Jesus came to be baptised, he came to be publicly identified as the pivotal figure in the movement towards this new kingdom, this new realm. His baptism showed that God was now taking steps through the ministry of Jesus to signal that the turning of the ages expected by John had now begun to take place. It's both a present and a future. It's The signs uh, in the present point to the future completion at Jesus' return. Jesus' baptism takes place amongst, uh, in this community. It's not a private occurrence. This communal dimension reminds us that when we are baptised, we become uh, part of a new social world. It's, it's good to, to read and learn, isn't it, that a, a good number of people today in society are moving away from the radical individualism of the postmodern world and are longing for community. They're longing to be part of something. Do we want to be that place as the church where people find welcome, where they find community and, and share life together? And of course, where they find Jesus The vocation of Israel 
uh, as a community to serve God's purpose uh, was to bring justice to the nations. Justice here uh, refers to qualities of life similar to those in the kingdom. As a community of Christians, we, are, we share in this responsibility to bring about justice within and beyond our communities. How can we be speaking out for change? How can we be making change happen? We should not uh, miss what baptism uh, was meant to be about. In the Gospels and the, and the letters of the New Testament, repentance, and bapti- uh, repentance baptism and life in the Holy Spirit um, have very little to do with becoming a member of a church. But perhaps we focused on that element as an end point. Um, I'm here now. I'm done. I'm in my final place. The Great Commission of Matthew 28 gives Jesus instructions to the embryonic church, doesn't it? We can read, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. The baptism that we're reminded of, that we're meant to be taken back to, uh, that baptism that we're called to offer, and that we share in, is one that brings us into a community of baptism, a community of discipleship, sorry, that's committed to bringing more people into that community. Go and make disciples and baptise them. According to Luke, those who repent are baptised and and realise that they are empowered by the Spirit, not only to become part of a movement towards a new world, but to invite others to join the movement, to work the signs of the realm and to embody the qualities of the new coming kingdom in their normal everyday life. We're invited uh, this morning to look back and be reminded who we are and where we're meant to be going. Reminded of the community of baptism that we are part of. The responsibility uh, to get back to what we're meant to be about. And at this time of the year of New Year's resolutions, we can't help but think about all the stuff we do in the life of the church that isn't what we're really meant to be about. But we can be reminded and comforted today that God formed the church God loves the church. He calls the church, enables the church to survive, uh, to do his work. Even if the church passes through uh, rivers of storm and fires of conflict and all sorts of hard times, God will be present with the church as we are reminded in that passage from Isaiah. God's declarations um, at Jesus' baptism Uh, confirmed God's work through Jesus, but it certainly didn't protect Jesus from harm. But God was always there. Equally, our church may face danger. We may face tough times, and even in this year. But God will be with the church, empowering its ministry and its work. It wasn't easy for the exiles uh, to return from Babylon, from what had become uh, the comfortable And it won't be easy for us to turn from the comfortable that we've got used to. But we need to return. We need to find. We need to be reminded of our real purpose. The stuff that gets in the way in our lives and in our churches. The stuff that gets in the way of real kingdom work needs to go this year. So that we might be justice bringing discipleship living, gospel sharing communities centred around the God who has redeemed us and called us his. Might that be us this year. Amen. sweet the sound that saved 
a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The I first believed my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a come to a time of prayer. This is precious time when we can be still and silent and listen for God. So make sure you're sitting comfortably, both feet on the floor, in an attitude of loving attentiveness. Remember we are in the presence of our loving God who created us and loves us unconditionally just because we exist and just as we are, not on account of any good nature we might have or any good deeds we might ever have done, just as we are, we are loved. So in this spirit of gratitude, 
we ask the Holy Spirit to be among us right now. So let us pray. Let us think back to what we have heard in this service, perhaps in the sermon, perhaps in the readings or a prayer, perhaps in a song. For each of us, there will have been something that stood out for us. It may be a word or a phrase that was helpful or supportive, or a new idea or a way of looking at something. It may be a phrase that jarred or made us feel uncomfortable. Or maybe there is a phrase or an idea we find keeps recurring to us just at this time. Let us consciously remember this standout word or phrase or thought just now. Let's think about it. Let us allow it to sink into our consciousness and visit us. Not rushing away from it like a foot on hot sand. Let us be open and listen again to our phrase asking the Holy Spirit to show us what meaning this phrase has for us, what is special or different about it, how it relates to where we ourselves are at this moment in our lives. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> you are speaking to us. Help us to tune our ears to hear your still, calm voice above the hubbub of noise in our heads and the noise pressing in from the world around us. Let us now take our word, our phrase, or our idea and look honestly at how we are responding to it. Do we feel God is suggesting that we look at something differently? Is there something we need to change or to put right? Are we being encouraged and affirmed in something? Are we asked to step out into a new challenge? Let's look honestly at our word. Lord Jesus, you are speaking to us. Help us to be honest before you as we discern what you are saying to us right now and when we leave this place. God is well aware of the condition each of us is in at this very moment. Some of us are joyful, thankful, full of positive energy, eager to do new things. Some of us are anxious, lonely, sick, grieving, doubting, depressed, struggling with all kinds of difficulties. Through his son, Jesus, God experienced all of our humanity, both the good and the bad. Here now, we offer both our troubles and our joys up to him. Let us name them now in our hearts. Let us open ourselves 
to the balm of God's healing grace and to know his peace that passes all understanding. Lord Jesus, you are speaking to us. By your grace, may we be open to your comfort and peace. We grieve for our planet, for global warming, species extinction and climate change. We are sorry for the decisions we make that fail to address the issues that add up to these problems. Give us the courage we need to stand up for difficult choices in our own lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. May the leaders of the world find the strength they need to make the right decisions affecting our lives, acting with truth, justice and integrity. Lord Jesus, you are speaking to us. Let us respond to your stirrings with courage and with strength. As the community of your people, we hold between us the chalice of your love. Let us guard our lips, our actions and our thoughts so that only the words, deeds and inspirations that arise from your love are given life. Let our community become a beacon of hope and healing and let us show all people at all times what it means to live in the love of God. Lord Jesus, you are speaking to us. Let us always act according to your direction. Christ who shared our humanity, receive these our prayers and the unspoken prayers of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Yeah.
loving God, return us to your mission field afresh this year. Call us, challenge us, change us and equip us so that we might be willing to go into every place, places of tears and trauma, places of disillusion and despair, as well as places of fun and fulfilment. Displace our complacency and replace it with a spirit of boldness. May we serve you till in heaven we take our place. And may we know your presence and your blessing now, this week and always. Amen.